Welcome everyone to Mayo Clinic q and I'm Dr. Helena Gazelka. Thanks for joining us today. With the COVID pandemic in full swing, one of the areas in greatest demand is laboratory medicine. From developing tests to detect the virus, to testing for antibodies in patients who have had the virus, Mayo Clinic Laboratories has been at the forefront of COVID-19 research. Here to discuss this with us today is the Chair of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology, Dr. Bill Maurice. Thanks for being with us, Dr. Maurice. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast this morning. And I'm wondering if we could first just take a look backward. Tell us how Mayo Clinic was able to ramp up testing in the way that it did so rapidly to meet the needs of the public. It's a very interesting story because in addition to being the chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology, I also serve as the president of Mayo Clinic Laboratories, which is our reference lab, which allows our laboratories on our campus to actually take in specimens from around the country and around the globe. And as in that role, I was actually in Washington, D.C. in the first week of March of this year and uh, with a board, the ACLA board, which is a trade association for clinical reference labs. And we were called to the White House to meet with Vice President Pence and, and a testing task force in those early days. From that meeting, we were the, and amongst the group that were prioritized to help the nation respond to our overwhelming testing needs. And so one of the ways that we were able to scale up testing so quickly was working with industry partners because uh, Vice President Pence uh, and, and team had called not just the laboratories, but also the manufacturers of the tests to the White House to meet and address this issue. So we worked closely with industry partners um, to bring up testing quickly, uh, including Roche, which as you recall, was the first to receive EUA approval for high, high throughput. We were able to get those for our campus uh, both in Rochester and in Florida, where we do Mayo Clinic Labs testing, uh, with the eye towards not only serving our Mayo Clinic patient needs, uh, but also to help serve the national need as well. The other advantage that we had was that we also were partnering with uh, a company, Wuxi Diagnostics, to help bring testing uh, to China and Chinese patients, uh, laboratory testing. And through that relationship, we became early uh, aware very early of the impact of COVID was having in that country and the need for testing. So we knew about it even in January of this year. And so we had been working on our own test. Dr. Matt Binneker, going back to innovation, had been working on developing our own COVID-19 test, uh, which we did not know if we would be able to use it because of the FDA position at that time and the CDC that all testing had to be in the public health laboratories. But we developed it with an eye towards the needs of our patients. And that was a test that we were actually able to, to bring out in the, in the very first weeks of March. So we had both the Roche test as well as our own test. And that's really how we were able to scale up our testing so quickly. I have to say that the scientist in me has been absolutely stunned by the progress that has been made since the beginning of this pandemic at the beginning of the year to, uh, to uh, November now where we are. And I also feel that there's just a dizzying array of tests. And I'm wondering if you could share with me and with the public to help us sort it out what the most current um, sorts of tests for COVID are how they and how they work. I would just say it is, it is staggering it, it to, as a scientist in healthcare, and the amount that we've learned and, and developed in the setting of this pandemic, it really has taken years with other viral infections we've done in a matter of months. And that's really speaks to just the, the, the teamwork and the focus of the entire healthcare industry. Uh, that's also reflected in the number of tests that we have available now for COVID. So as of today, in the first week of November, uh, we have a, a number of different 
molecular tests, which many have heard about, which are the in-lab tests. At Mayo Clinic, we have nine different molecular platforms that we use for testing patients. In addition, now we're seeing the introduction of tests which can be done at the point of care or the point of contact with an individual or patient that might have COVID. So that includes the antigen test, which unlike the PCR test and the molecular tests, test for the nucleic acid of the virus, the genes of the virus, if you will, the antigen test tests for the protein of the virus. So it's a different way to, to detect it. And those tests are now available and they have the advantage many of being point of care. So they can even be read like an Abbott test. It's like a home pregnancy test, what we call lateral flow can be read off of a card. So those are the tests that are out there. And we're also seeing point of care molecular tests that are, that are um, being introduced. Those newer tests have the advantage of giving the answer right then and there for an individual as opposed to having to wait. Um, the disadvantage is, is that many of them don't have quite the same performance in terms of their specificity or sensitivity of the in-lab tests. So really have to work as, as healthcare providers to help individuals uh, understand which tests are most appropriate for the questions being asked, whether it's screening for what do I have COVID versus someone that's sick coming into the hospital. You mentioned sensitivity and specificity. What does that mean to you as a scientist? The easiest way to answer that question, I think, or the mo for people to understand is sensitivity is if you have the virus, how likely is a test to give you a positive result? So 100% sensitivity would mean that everyone that has COVID-19, if they get this test, that test will be positive. There's really no test that performs like that. And there's some challenges with COVID in terms of when you get tested after your exposure. The specificity is if I go and have a test and it's positive, how likely is it that, that, that I actually have the virus? So 100% specific test means that if it says you have the virus, you absolutely have the virus. Uh, An 80% specific test means that four out of five people that are told they have the virus will have the virus, but one out of five actually will not. So that's how I think about it. The sensitivity is if I had the virus, how likely is my test to be positive? The specificity is if I have a positive test, how likely is that to be true that I actually had the virus? For the most common test that is being used at Mayo, how long does it take to get your results? I remember in the beginning, I think it was days to get a result. Right now, our focus is when we, if we get a specimen in the lab that we can get that test out and the result out back to the patient and the provider within 24 hours. Uh, we're meeting that turnaround right now. The variability in the past that people saw over the summer and in the spring and these stories of long, long wait times to get their test results, mostly due to the fact that they're just, the labs were overwhelmed with the number of specimens that they have. Most of the machines take four or five hours to produce a result. But as you can imagine, if, if there's a big backlog, that it takes a long time to get onto the instrument. At Mayo Clinic Labs, understanding the need for to give an answer as quickly as possible is so important for the patients and, and for the providers. We've really focused on managing our demand such that we can keep our turnaround time under uh, 48 hours, under 24 hours, ideally, but definitely under 48. And we've been actually able to meet that for most of the pandemic, except for one of the surges in the late summer, we really struggled as every other lab did, just because there were so many people needing to be tested. And again, in November here of 2020, we have sufficient capacity now uh, in our labs, and they, both at Mayo Clinic Labs and really across the industry uh, to keep the turnaround times low, ideally, even with the surges that we're seeing. How many... Lab tests related to COVID-19, does Mayo Clinic Labs uh, complete in a day or process? Right now, again, it's, it varies depending on demand. Right now, we can perform up to 30,000 tests a day. 
And I think we performed over 2 million COVID tests since the pandemic began, just in our own laboratories. Have you been seeing a surge in testing as we've been seeing a surge in uh, positive, positive rates uh, in the Midwest? Demand for testing is going up in our region as the number of cases is going up. And that tends to track uh, pretty well nationally. Of course, the, the goal for in terms of managing the pandemic is to get enough testing that we can start to detect asymptomatic individuals and do the, the tracing and isolation to prevent the spread. So I, in the ideal state, we'll have enough testing that we'll just have uh, testing performed daily. Uh, but right now, the amount of testing that we're doing really tracks with the, with the number of cases that we're dealing with. You mentioned 30,000 tests a day, which is simply stunning. Uh, what geographic area does Mayo Clinic Labs cover? We're actually the third largest reference lab in the country. Again, reference lab meaning that someone can send a test to us to perform for them, even if they're not a Mayo Clinic patient. We actually serve all states in the country, and we actually have activities in over 80 countries. So we're actually a global reference lab. We're active in all states. We have worked in the early days of the pandemic. We actually worked with the White House Task Force to prioritize testing capacity for where it was really needed. So that has been a real effort in the early days to help make sure that the areas that were really experiencing surges, like the, uh, the Northeast, like uh, Louisiana in the early days, could get the testing that they needed. Now, thankfully, uh, here in, in later in 2020, we're in a much better situation that there seems to be enough regional capacity that we don't have to go to that level of coordination, but we do have testing available to anyone who needs it in the country. Mayo Clinic gave permission to employees to stop taking temperatures uh, before they came to work, which was a requirement for a number of months. And we also are going to cease uh, taking the temperatures of uh, patients uh, who, and visitors who enter the buildings. So what is the latest criteria to get tested? How, how will we know if we need a COVID test? We are focusing really uh, on getting testing available to asymptomatic individuals, knowing that they're an important part of the spread. So there are the criteria that were there that the CDC has published in terms of symptomatic patients, the loss of taste, the loss of smell, fever, any of those things really you should seek to get a COVID test. Um, but now also if people have been exposed and have had a high risk exposure, they might be eligible to be tested, but it's important that they understand that not to get tested right away, that it takes a good probably four or five days after a high risk exposure to actually have your test be positive. In those early days, there's just not enough of it in your system. So, and I, I think honestly, the best thing is to, to call a nursing line uh, or check the CDC website because the criteria are changing uh, pretty rapidly just because we want to make sure everyone who needs a test can get a test. Well, you mentioned quite a few um, options for testing, and I'm wondering what the state of at-home testing is. Will that be effective in the future for COVID-19? Mayo Clinic Labs and also just uh, for the testing in the laboratory um, medicine uh, world in general. Uh, there's some real advantages to at-home testing. Uh, the first being, of course, that you don't, if you do have COVID, you don't have to go out and expose, potentially expose others to COVID to get your test. The other is that we know when managing the pandemic, the more quickly someone knows that they have COVID, the more likely they are to, to self-isolate and contain and do the things that can manage the spread. So that's why there's a real interest in at-home testing. Uh, right now, there are uh, some laboratories that provide at-home testing, meaning you can collect a specimen and put it in the mail and send it, and then you'll get, you'll get your result back. Mayo Clinic Labs is working and actually has one of those tests. We're just waiting for the FDA to give us approval to use the collection device. Uh, and then the other will be the other tests that we talked about, the engine tests that might be, you know, read at home or read by your phone. 
those are not available yet to be broadly distributed. That, that is a, a real goal, though. I think we are so fortunate here where we work at the Mayo Clinic to have the availability of testing that you and your colleagues have worked on since the beginning of COVID. But I recall having um, multiple um, relatives and friends who were contacting me and asking me in different states, I don't know where to go to get a test. How would I find that out? How do people find test centers? Well, there's a couple of options. In, in the state of Minnesota, um, we are also are part of the, the uh, Moonshot program with the University of Minnesota to make testing available to all Minnesotans who need it. Uh, we've been working with the Minnesota Department of Health. And on the Minnesota Department of Health website, there is actually, uh, uh, they can go to that website and they can find the location nearest them that will, they can get one of the state offered tests. Also, uh, for Mayo Clinic, there we have on our internal website a, a COVID page that people can go to. And the other is if you're not a Mayo Clinic patient, is again, there's many nursing hotlines and things that you can call and find out, and they can direct you to a local testing facility. I'm wondering, uh, how do you tell the difference in, in well-testing between whether someone needs an influenza test or whether they need a COVID-19 test? And uh, does it matter if you can tell the difference in their symptoms? The symptoms overlap, and this has certainly been a concern for healthcare really since the summer is what we were going, what was going to happen when we hit flu season, uh, because really clinically you won't be able to distinguish uh, influenza and other upper respiratory viruses, common colds that are going around. They will have a lot of overlap with COVID. And so how will we figure out what, whether someone has influenza or COVID? One of the things that people should know is that here in this part of the world in the fall, uh, we typically look to what has happened in the Southern Hemisphere over the summer, which is their winter and their flu season. And one of the things that we have seen this year is that in uh, Australia and in the Southern Hemisphere, the institution of masking and social distancing basically uh, completely blunted their flu season. So there's some hope that our flu season will not be typical. It will be less, less severe than, than normal just because of the things that we're doing now uh, to prevent the spread of COVID. Uh, we do have testing available, though, so when patients come in that are experiencing symptoms, we've been working to have uh, testing available at, at, in the ERs and at other point of care uh, that can test for both influenza and for COVID. And then our, uh, we have a group here at Mayo, testing stewardship group, uh, that is looking specifically at designing algorithms that to make sure that we exclude influenza before we test for COVID or vice versa. So it's really a combination of having tests that can test for both flu and COVID, and then also understanding how a provider should order the test if we don't have one that can test for both so that we can make sure the patients get the testing they need. Well, I've also seen those graphs about uh, the distribution of flu and the incidence of flu in the Southern Hemisphere. And I'm wondering, is there any evidence that uh, people were seeking immunization uh, against the flu more this year? Does that play into that at all? Or is it truly just we're not spreading it so much? Well, I don't know yet. I think it's a bit early to know how many people have gotten, gotten their flu vaccine. Certainly people should. And then vaccination is important. Um, and there is some, some evidence to suggest that just the, the, the turning on of, the, of your immune system, the challenging of the immune system from a flu vaccine might actually help you and if you are exposed to COVID. So it'll be interesting to see how, what that flu vaccine is actually, because typically uh, we look at the strains that are in the Southern hemisphere to guide what should be in the vaccine for the North. So um, I'm not sure how that, I'm not, a, I'm not a vaccinologist, so I don't know how that was affected, but certainly people should get their vaccine, their flu vaccines, it's very important. 
We've been today discussing COVID-19 and the progress of Mayo Clinic Laboratories with the department chair, Dr. Bill Maurice. Thanks for being with us today, Dr. Maurice. Thanks to everyone for joining us today. I hope you learned something too, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Mayo Clinic Q&A is a production of the Mayo Clinic News Network and is available wherever you get and subscribe to your favorite podcasts. To see a list of all Mayo Clinic podcasts, visit newsnetwork.mayoclinic.org. Then click on podcasts. Thanks for listening and be well.